Good morning. It is Monday, April 27th, 7.53 a.m. I hope y'all had a good week. I know I did. It was very, very busy. Um, just the shop has been very busy with book sales. I've been selling so many books. Sewing. I made a kind of pre Raphaelite linen tunic. I sewed it by hand. It was really fun. Um, and then shipping, which I had ended up having two shipping days instead of the one shipping day because there was so much stuff to get out. Um, and it's, it's a long, <laughs> it's a long day of work when I have the shipping. But I'm glad I I'm glad I had those two shipping days because today's gonna be another shipping day. I think I'm gonna split it up again because there's just it's it's wild, you know. I I'm only gonna stay on the subject for a brief period. It's kind of dull to some listeners, I'm sure. Um but I thought that business would slow way down with the pandemic, but it hasn't. And I'm grateful for that. Um, however, because I can't go out to the post office as much, it uh, the shipping is overwhelming. I miss my assistant. I miss Zelda. She would have helped me knock this out a lot quicker. C'est la vie. Um, so yeah, that's that's been the bulk of my week. Pretty much. I'm working on another garment. I think I'm going to, I've been hand sewing most of it. It is silk made from fabric Taylor gave me. And it's kind of a, a peachy coral silk. And I'm making kind of an Ori Kelly styled dressing gown slash dress or just regular gown. <laughs> um, and then I also kind of want to draw some influence from that romantic era of the, I guess, probably, I don't know, late 1850s. So, yeah, I've been working on that here and there. And I've been watching the TV. I got Brit Box, so I'm watching this show called Cracker, which is an excellent show. It's, uh, they're kind of like these little mini series from the early nineties and it it focuses on this kind of decadent man named Fitz, who is also a forensic psychologist and he has a gambling problem and he has a messy marriage. It's a very well done show and he helps the police department solve murders. It's it's a great show. I love it so much. And then I've also been watching Lord Peter Whimsy on YouTube. So in the early 70s, they dramatized some of his the best known series in the mystery. His The mystery novels um, were dramatized, written by Dorothy Sayers, Dorothy L. Sayers. But they're they're delightful, and I love I love watching them. Kind of like while I'm, 
I like having the laptop on my bed and kind of absently watching that while I'm shooting photos and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, check out the Lord Peter Whimsy. You got to kind of be in the mood for it, but it is really funny. He's kind of a an aristocratic sort, you know, he's a lord, but he also solves mysteries with his uh, manservant butler. And it's just, it's a nice romp. So those are the, the two main ones that I've been watching and I highly recommend. Um, today, I, I wanted to share with you a, a story that is relatively recent in the scheme of things. It's not deep history or anything like that, but it's a new story that fascinated me and has fascinated me since it came out. Um, it is the story of Nigella Lawson and Charles Saatchi. So it's it's fairly recent. I, I know that you guys have probably heard, definitely heard of both of those. Um, as you know, Nigella is the beautiful um, kind of lifestyle and cooking guru from England. She's authored several books. She's had a successful cooking show, Nigella Bites. Um, and she's, by all appearances, the perfect, kind of like the perfect woman, you know, just absolutely gorgeous with that black hair and beautiful face and the figure and what has been described as a flirtatious demeanor. And then her ex-husband, Charles Saatchi, who is a very prominent advertising exec, he founded Saatchi and Saatchi with his brother Maurice in 1970. He's also a huge art collector kind of like an art shark, as it, as it were. Uh, he's specializing in minimalist and abstract works, and he has been known to buy up entire shows of very large artworks. He started the Saatchi Gallery uh, to kind of host his works. It's a 30,000 square foot space in 1985. It was open to the public. Um, so he is kind of at the helm of the third wave of advertising. The first wave being P.T. Barnum, the second wave being David Ogilvie, and then Saatchi. So he's Mr. Big Shit. Um, Mr. Big Shit doesn't even, that's too small of a word. Maybe just, he's just, you know, what you think of when you think of a very high-powered, powerful man. So I am going to talk a bit about Nigella's life and how she ended up with him. One thing, when you have as much wealth and power, he's worth about 200 million. So he's, I mean, compared to, you know, he's not a billionaire, but... That's just like his, his cash wealth. I think that if you were to include Charles Saatchi's artworks and everything, 
Oh, he's fabulously wealthy. Um, so yeah, someone doesn't just end up with you if you're that rich. <laughs> um, as we know, you you make it happen if you want somebody like that. That's who must be nice to be that rich, you know, because he's not he's not that attractive. I mean, I guess there's kind of a virility that comes from being super stinking rich and powerful, though. You know, tell as old as time. And, you know, there's like that percent, you know, persona and confidence that comes with being, being so powerful. One moment. anyway um before nigella was with charles we're gonna take it back to a little bit to her upbringing and bring her to the bring her to the moment that she met charles nigella was born in january 6 1960 in london england to a very well-established and conservative and wealthy family. Her parents, Nigel Lawson, whom she was named after, was a member of parliament and he was also a journalist. Her mother was Vanessa Lawson, an heiress to the J. Lyons Company, which is a food and catering company. It's huge. So she was very you know, raised in a very comfortable environment, to say the least. Uh, she has four siblings, I believe, and then some half-siblings from different marriages, the respective, you know, second marriages of Vanessa and John after they divorced. Um, Nigella's life was marked her kind of her early adult life was marked with tragic moments the the two big ones being that her mother died at age 48 of liver cancer i believe that was in 1980 and then her sister thomasina died a few years later of breast cancer now she was educated at oxford at the Lady Margaret Hall in Oxford, and she graduated with a degree in medieval and modern languages. Um, after graduating, Nigella went on to pursue um, freelance journalist work, uh, pretty much book reviews and food reviews. She was kind of, at this period of her life, a, a shy, introverted, kind of somewhat, you know, quiet young woman. She was described as lacking somewhat in self-confidence. And she went to work at the Sunday Times in 1986, where she eventually became their literary editor at a pretty young age. So when she was like 26, it all kind of came together. 
and it was kind of her first big break in her career, break for her career. And that's when she met her first husband, John Diamond. John Diamond was a very, I think he's kind of, to me, a, a dandy, a, a quintessential, you know, dapper, well-dressed Englishman. And he, he was, he had a, he kind of filled in the blanks for, for Nigella, um, and brought out a lot of, a lot of the qualities that she is now known for. Um, he engaged her in, you know, witty repartee. They had many, many fabulous, you know, nights on the town together. These, you can see these two sparkling British journalists just tearing it up at all the best parties, being the toast of the town. You know, he, I would say he's not what I would, I would describe as handsome. Um, I think if at, at most he probably has, in a, has eccentric features. And I think it was all about the clothes, like the way he the way he kind of turned himself out, which gave him a lot of it, his external charms. Um, and he was just very witty and loved to live life to the fullest. So they were together for six years and then married in 1992. And they had two children from that marriage, Cosima and Bruno. And they went, you know, they were living this beautiful idyll together and Nigella started writing cookbooks one moment I'm pouring some coffee here it's much needed you'll notice a marked spike in my articulation skills when I start drinking this elixir one moment so she started writing these books they became great successes first book, How to Eat, became a bestseller that was published in 1998. And coinciding with this professional triumph, her husband, John Diamond, was diagnosed with throat cancer, a, a particularly aggressive strain of throat cancer. So it was, it was hard for her to fully enjoy this this huge success because of this cancer in two in the year 2000 she wrote how to be a domestic goddess in 1999 the the book written in 2000 kind of overlapped with her cooking show on channel 4 nigella bites which was a huge success. She was getting all these reviews focusing a lot on her body and her demeanor, which was described as flirtatious. She was named queen of food porn. <coughs> Pardon me. And in kind of retort to to that description, she she kind of went against it and said, no, I'm not you know, I'm not really like that. I'm, I'm being intimate. I'm, you know, down to earth, that sort of thing. 
But you know how you know how people are, especially the men folk. When you're being nice to them, just a little bit, you know, just a little bit of of charm or politeness and they think you're flirting with them. And that's kind of what happened. That's what happened and you know, it happens to us women folk every day, but <clears throat> a lot of times people will think you're flirting with them. During during John's bout with cancer, he wrote a book called Because Cancer Because Cowards Get Cancer Too. At this time, he had a tracheotomy and a gastrectomy where a part of his stomach was removed and then finally his tongue was removed and he was only able to communicate via pen and paper. I I don't want to trigger anyone right now so I'm giving this trigger warning um, but I can't imagine what it must be like to be married to you know the love of your life and have them just cutting pieces away of your of your loved one of your partner I cannot imagine what that would be like that's it just sounds horrific despite it all uh, John kept up his kind of plucky um, life loving demeanor and his way of life he was even like having them put champagne in his feeding tube you know, so kind of to the end, he was fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Um, but there was another thing that kind of creeped into how he coped, and that was with cocaine. Um, and he and Nigella started doing it. He did it more than she did. Um, she kind of joined him in frequently. And they were using it as a way to cope with the sadness and the pressure and the pain. Um, when I was doing the research for this part of the episode, I was thinking, wow, why would you want to do coke? I mean, it makes you feel really bad. But, um, but then I was thinking, well, there's a few elements about it that would probably have helped. And it was originally used as a medicine before it was outlawed. So that in mind, you know, kind of a, I'd say numbing pain, um, brief spurts of euphoria. I can see why they, they kind of went to it. March 2nd, 2001, John Diamond died at the age of 47 from throat cancer. And Nigella was left a widow. And this was also kind of at the at one of the peaks of her success. And it, you know, I can't imagine juggling. I mean, I keep saying, I can't imagine, but I keep imagining. So apparently I'm able to imagine. Um, so I can, so let me put it this way. I can just imagine what it must be like to have huge, huge success at the same time of huge, huge loss. And what that must be like, because, you know, you can't hold space for yourself to grieve. And because you're in the public eye, because you're very, very, very successful, 
but you can't really enjoy the you know the sparkle and the warmth of the success because you're very sad and you're grieving so that must have been quite a struggle enter charles sachi now charles sachi had been a good friend of john diamond's and you can kind of picture them gadding about town together He started entering the picture before John died, and he later insinuated that he and Nigella had started a relationship before John died, which Nigella denies. However, she moved in with Charles Saatchi with her children to Chelsea which is actually kind of where she was raised, but um, to his giant converted warehouse, not the, not the gallery, but this huge warehouse mansion. She moved Cosima and Bruno there with her, and Charles had a daughter from another marriage, Phoebe, and they ended up getting married, I believe, 2002 or 2003. Uh, 2003 um, and it was you know by all appearances a big happy fabulous fabulous family um, we have powerful advertising royalty Charles Saatchi we have the glamorous yet earthy Nigella and their beautiful children and then, you know, money makes the world go round. But it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't, of course, all it was cracked up to be. Apparently, Charles was very possessive of Nigella. And he kind of resented her, you know, the, the success that she had even though her success was probably what attracted him initially. And, you know, who, who is he to begrudge someone of success? That's, that's the thing that, that bothers me. Um, and, of course, you know, I'm sure there were many opportunities for him to put down her and to, you know, dismiss her accomplishments um, you know, he could just stack them against his own and inflate his own achievements. So things were pretty toxic, uh, to say the least. Now, in 2013 is when the shit hit the fan. And that is probably where a lot of people may have found out about Charles Saatchi outside of the UK. Um, I'm sure most, most people know who he is though. Um, but this is something that cast both Nigella and Charles in a very negative light. To me, this is kind of like the British equivalent of the Martha Stewart scandal. Um, so they were at a cafe and they were followed by the paparazzi who were probably hiding in a bush at another cafe across the street as you do um and you probably have seen this but this is when charles was 
throttling Nigella by the neck. And you can see the pictures of her just gasping for air and the, the terror in her eyes. Her eyes are, I looked at the picture for a long time and the eyes are just kind of like these flat lined horizontal, you know, streaks. And, you know, he's a big guy. And even if he was a small guy, it still would have been awful. And, you know, kind of like when your mouth starts to cry a little bit, that was what she was doing. And he also stuck his fingers up her nose. He claimed, here's the thing, he was trying to calm her down. Sound, sounds like a familiar um, abuser's retort. He also said that he was trying to get the cocaine out of her nose. And in saying this, he was trying to smear her reputation in one fell swoop. Here's Nigella's side. She said that a woman was walking by with her baby in a stroller and she reached out her hand and said, oh, I hope to have grandchildren someday. And that's when he, he reached over and he said, I'm the only one you should be focusing on, me. I'm the one you should be putting your attention into, nobody else. And that's when he grabbed her throat. Seven weeks later, she took him to divorce court and they reached a private settlement. And then just a few months later, let's see, July, September, October, November, four months later, they had to take, together they took their two former personal assistants who had been their personal assistants for years. They were two sisters. They were Italian, the Grio sisters, Lisa and Francesca. They had to take them to court because they had embezzled $700,000 from them. And this was on top of all the memberships that, that, uh, Nigella mostly had had bought for them to different exclusive clubs, you know. I think Lisa got a, a whole new grill. I mean, that's that's not cheap, you know. Um, lots and lots and lots of perks. And then they were just kind of going ham on the credit cards. Now, for people who whose collective wealth is probably, you know, near the billions, um, 700,000 is, is, you know, a sneeze, but nobody likes to have money taken from them. Um, and guess what? The girls got off. They got off. And here's how, here's how it happened. They claimed that Nigella said they could spend money whenever they wanted, as long as they didn't tell Charles about her cocaine use. Can you believe that? I was just disgusted. I was like, really? You're going to do that to this woman? I thought it was so underhanded and shitty. Another time to smear Nigella. And of course, Charles took their side. He took their part. Can you believe that? Mm. 
I was so, I was, and then they wrote this, the sisters wrote this letter to, to Nigella and Charles, please forgive us, you know, we, we hate to argue, um, then don't steal their money. But yeah, that was kind of another, another thing that must've been a real shitty year. Um, 2013 was a really funky year. It's a year that really came to a head for Nigella. Um, it's kind of, kind of wild because when I was, when this was happening in the news, I was in a abusive relationship and I left my husband in the same year, just a few weeks before the Grio sisters were set to trial. And I'm wondering, you know, Nigella, even though I'm not a, you know, I don't do coke and I'm not a domestic goddess. And my husband at the time was definitely not uh, an advertising executive, um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, there are people, there's something about the story that relate that many, many women can relate to. You know, um, being dismissed, having having your your passions and the things that make you happy dismissed, and and um, trampled on, um, being belittled, many other things which are just violations. So I think that. I, the story, this, this bizarre end, like my heart really goes out to Nigella. And very shortly after Nigella and Charles broke up, he started dating Trini Woodall from the original What Not to Wear British series. And she, she's beautiful. She kind of looks like a Elizabeth Berkeley's, not Elizabeth Berkeley, um, Elizabeth Hurley, excuse me. She looks more like Elizabeth Hurley's sister or something. And she is a lifestyle guru in her own right, uh, sartorial. And now she has a makeup line. And she too was a widow. Isn't that interesting? Um, Her husband was a drug addict and they had split up when he died. Um, But they were still co-parenting together. So that's interesting. Charles just swoops on, swoops in on these these uh, beautiful women, and they're they have, you know, accomplishments and kind of like the, they have uh, parallel spectrums of professional achievement. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Or at least it is to me. So they're still together, uh, Charles and Trini, and Nigella has not to my knowledge, seriously dated anyone and is not currently seeing anyone at the time. And I can kind of relate to that too. Um, Sometimes when you go through something that's really difficult, it kind of takes you a long time to not be over it, but to heal. And it's, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to to get back in touch with who you are and the essence of who you are. 
and to realize that there's other things in life that can make you happy. (laughs) And there are other experiences to be had out there and to take a good hard look at your relationships and, you know, the ones that feed your soul and the ones that don't makes you be a lot more picky about who you choose to give your heart to. Um, So I would speculate that's probably why. And I don't blame her one bit. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's kind of more modern, but I am still keeping tabs on Nigella. I love her. I have two of her cookbooks. I have Nigella Bites and I have the um, Nigelissimo. They are excellent. They're easy to read, full of beautiful photos and very easy instructions. And sometimes I'll just look at the pictures and get an inspiration for a dish and I'll work on it like that. So that's, that's really fun. And um, I wish you all the best. I have got to get started on shipping. Thank you for listening through this modern gossip edition. Take care. Bye-bye.